welcome to another edition of the Read More Podcast, the show that brings readers and writers together. I'm Marva Hinton, coming to you from the Miami Book Fair, where my guest is Tiffany D. Jackson. She's the author of the critically acclaimed YA novel, Allegedly. Her latest YA novel, Monday's Not Coming, just came out this past summer. Tiffany, thank you so much for stopping by to talk about your work. Thank you so much for having me. Monday's Not Coming is about a teenage girl in Washington, D.C. who goes missing. Monday's friend, Claudia, is the only one who seems concerned about this. The issue of black girls going missing without anyone seeming to care, including the police and the media, is something that was really in the public consciousness last year when the missing DC girls hashtag started showing up. Why did you decide to address this issue for young readers? Well, it's actually kind of serendipitous that that hashtag and it became more um, involved in the public eye um, because this has actually been on my mind for almost a decade, honestly. Um, This book is actually loosely inspired by two real cases, one that happened in D.C. back in, I believe it was 2007, and another one that happened in 2000, I believe, 14 in Detroit, Michigan. In both situations, the kids were missing for a significant period of time, and in both situations, I kept saying, how do kids just go missing? Like, how do kids just fall through the cracks and no neighbors are looking for them? other like extended family members. So that was honestly really where I came from. It just so happened that when I turned in the draft for this novel, that's exactly when the DC, Missing Girls of DC, like hashtag went viral. And it was sort of like, both me and my editor was like, whoa, because I had been working on this novel for almost a year and I'd had the idea for almost five years. So it was very much like a perfect storm, which, in a way, I'm happy. Like, I'm happy this is now more or less, like, in people's, like, like, I'm happy people are actually paying attention. And that's more important than just writing a novel. Like, people are actually, like, saying, like, huh, like, why are black girls going missing? And why aren't we really paying attention? And why aren't they getting as much news coverage as, like, white girls that go missing? You don't tell Monday's story in a linear fashion. You kind of go back and forth into the past and then into the present. Uh, and you block this off by saying, you know, the before, the after, you know, one year before the before mm-hmm. and so on. Why did you decide to tell the story this way rather than in real time? I think if we told the story in real time, we would only be seeing the story from Claudia's point of view. Um, and we wouldn't get a chance to really get to know Monday. And that's what I think makes this story so special is that we are actually getting to know the victim along with Claudia. And we fall in love with Monday. Like she becomes like, we all have a Monday. We all have a best friend that we're like completely in love with. And they are a person basically. So when you think about it, I really wanted her not to just be a victim on the page. I didn't want her to be a ghost, like, kind of in the background. And that's something that really happens in a lot of, like, mysteries and thrillers. Like, we see the victim or we know about the victim, but we sort of just have this one-dimensional view of them versus, like, I wanted you to get to know Monday and know her on a deeper level so that when you reach, like, the climax of the book, it hits you harder and the story sort of ingrains in you for much longer than you would, like, any other story. Well, there's some really grisly stuff in this novel. I mean, we see children being abused. There's some pretty bad bullying. Uh, I imagine that this would be upsetting to some teenagers because, I mean, it was upsetting to me as an adult. What do you want your young readers to take away from this? 
I want them to number one know that these are hap- these are based on or loosely inspired by real stories. That means that these are things that are happening to real people. Um, there is a very um, intense bullying scene that happens in the bathroom. That was actually a story inspired by a girl who was murdered in a bathroom, unfortunately during a fight. Um, that actually happened in Baltimore. And so, knowing that all these things are actually happening, it makes it. I feel like for teenagers, particularly when they know it's true, the story stays with them a little longer. And we want kids to kind of remember the things that are happening to their peers. Because like I always continue to say that, you know, kids are really going to rule the world in the next like five years. And we need them to remember sort of the stories that aren't getting the spotlight. So particularly bullying, missing black girls, gentrification. We need them to remember all that stuff and like have that type of empathy. So if you give them an experience, which i.e. a story that just has some grisly parts in it, um, that story will then sort of like drill down in someone's brain. You always sort of remember it. Versus if you give them a story that could be like, perfumey and romantic and you know you know sometimes that's not kids realities and so they look at it like oh that was a nice escape versus if you give a story like Monday's not coming that's not an escape that's a reality and they're like whoa how would I survive this world so that's what you want to give kids you want to give kids a chance to really like know being the being someone else's shoes I think that's so important like for kids now like to actually like get in someone else's shoes to know what it's like to be in their shoes and live their life so that when they are adults they have a bit more of empathy for people who are going through things well another thing that you touch on in this book and even though it's not the 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 central focus is is claudia's trouble in school Mm -hmm. and that claudia is having some problems and she doesn't want to reveal that to anyone why was it important to you that you included that so that while the focus is on, you know, what's going on with Monday and then there's this big thriller going on, but there's also a a character, Claudia, who is struggling and hasn't really revealed that to anyone other than her friend Monday? Um, I feel like Claudia is so much like me. Like, this is the first character that I wrote that I feel like, oh, this actually is a lot like myself. <laughs> and um, she comes from just a loving household and stuff like that, but she also has a lot of dark secrets. And one of those secrets being a uh, learning disability. That is something that a lot of kids do struggle with, and they don't want that to be, like, their identity. And so I identify with a lot of kids, especially now. I mean, I go on a lot of school visits, and whenever I say, like, oh, you know, I have attention deficit disorder, I always have that handful of kids that come up to me afterwards, like, I do too. Like, how do you deal with it? What did you do? And I give them all the tips that I literally still use to this day, and it helps them. And it kind of gives them, like, hope in a sense. Like, you know, if they're struggling through things and they see like me, an author uh, who looks like them, who's from their neighborhoods, it changed their perspective on things. So I felt like a lot of kids identified with the character of Claudia because there is something, you get shy and embarrassed by it. You get embarrassed by something that, you know, is very common, it's incredibly common, but people make it feel like you're sort of this kind of freak of nature. And I'm like, learning disabilities, everyone has them. Like, presidents have them. Like, there's nothing wrong with having it. And so if we start talking about it more in books and the emotional impact of it, I feel like I'm hoping that it normalizes it. Normalizes it. I can talk sometimes. <laughs> we know there are a lot of adults 
as I'm sure you know, who read YA too. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about, you know, what you might want them to get out of this because as I was reading it, I was thinking, you know, could there be a Monday in my life that I didn't realize? Mm -hmm. And and we saw in your story there were adults who they they did care about Monday, Mm -hmm. but maybe they didn't do as much as they could Mm -hmm. to help. So what kind of message are you hoping your adult readers will pick up from this? I'm hoping adult readers kind of see some of the signs. And granted, I do actually have a lot of adult readers that read my book. Um, I feel like sometimes more than kids could just based solely on just fan mail. But what I feel that adult readers will get is their perspective, specifically of the parents, and like some of the mistakes they could have made and how they could have made it better. And also unlearning some of the things that we have learned in our past like in the past you know we didn't have YA books to talk about a lot of the topics that we are talking about now and because of that there is a lot of misinformed adults out there so now they are or not even misinformed but they just have zero knowledge of it so now you have these adults who are picking up YA novels or answering the questions that they actually had as young readers but they didn't have the books to actually answer them and they didn't have the gumption basically to ask an adult because a lot of times the adults back in our you know childhood they were busy they were busy living life and providing for us um and that's the whole point of books is to actually provide information and to give them education so a lot of adults are looking at these books and they're looking at it from both perspectives they're looking at a child's perspective like how they would have handled it and now they're looking at an adult perspective like how would i have handled this today um we also well i also talk about the idea of mental health and actually going out and getting help. Um, That's something that, you know, a lot of people, particularly in like the black community, have frowned upon in the past. You know, there was no going to the therapist, like, you know, just pray about it and like, it'll go away. And that's not something that we really, that shouldn't be the only answer. And so hopefully that that's something that also gets noticed, like, oh, like, well, maybe it isn't so bad to just go get help and get the right type of help. I'm not saying like praying doesn't like fix wonders of the world, but I'm saying that there are definitely more avenues to help you in your time of need. So I'm hoping that that's also something that adults pick up on, uh, which they have um, per (laughs) readers who either read the book and they're mad at me or, you know, they love the book. (laughs) Okay, well, let's talk about what you like to read now. Do you uh, remember the first thing you read that was a real game changer for you that really resonated and still sticks with you to this day? Mm. Um, Man, I'm blanking on the author of this book, but um, there was this book called uh, Wait Till Helen Comes. It was like a book I had um, in elementary school, and it was the first sort of chapter book, and it it was a ghost story, this girl with this um, ghost and her stepsister didn't believe her, and it was a, I think it was a game changer for me because one, it was a book that was very intense and short and it was like a first like long kind of book that I read. Um, and that sort of opened the doors to reading other books like that, like R.L. Stein. Um, because I was sort of the goose, whole Goosebumps series basically. Because I don't, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a reluctant reader because I did read. It was just that some of the books didn't, a lot of the books that were out didn't stay with me. They didn't represent, like, where I was coming from. Um, 
I always like make this joke that like you know whenever I was reading books like the Babysitters Club, I was constantly in this like mode of, well. They have, like, houses with, like, upstairs and downstairs. And, like, you know, the girl's, like, riding her bike and leaving it in front. And I'm, like, you know, the bike's not going to get stolen? Like, how does this, like, work? And there was a lot of, like, books that I just didn't identify with because it wasn't my world. And I didn't – I needed more books that had, like – that was for more or less a mirror for me. Like, I can see myself in this world. I didn't see myself in a lot of the worlds. So books like Nancy Drew were, you know, there were mystery novels. Like, that. the mysteries that she was solving was kind of like, oh, that's it? Like, <laughs> so I wouldn't say I was, I was more of a picky reader. I had high taste. <laughs> well, now I want to ask you about sort of your favorite books, the books you return to over and over again. You know, if you were in a situation where you could only read three books, you know, for the rest of your life, that was your, 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 your literary diet, which three books would you choose? Oh my God. That is like one of those stranded on like a desert Island. And I always cheat with those, with those questions. I'm like, I would bring my iPhone because I have all the apps on there, including my Kindle, which has all my books. Um, Um, I think I would read um, Jessamine Ward's Salvage the Bones. That's one of my favorite novels of all time. Um, It is just intense and beautiful and gorgeous, and I think about it often. Um, And sometimes I just pick it up just out of the blue, just like, yeah, this is great. Um, Toni Morrison, The Bluest Eye, that was one of those books that was also very much a game changer for me in terms of high school reading uh, versus elementary school. Um, I think I can also read that book and be, you know, fascinated with the words of it and write my own stories. And then what else would I read? Man, that's a hard one. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, Okay, it has to be something fun. I'm going to throw, like, oh, Stephen King's Carrie. Carrie's actually my favorite movie, and Stephen King's, I mean, Carrie is actually one of my favorite books, and it was definitely another game changer in terms of, like, the, like, the actual mixed media in the books, the layout of the books. It's a different type of storytelling, and I feel like Stephen King was always one of those people who was, like, ahead of his time, so I would probably, those three books, but I feel like that's just not enough. There's so many others. (laughs) Well, now I want to ask you something sort of on the flip side of that about a book maybe you didn't like. I was wondering if you had a book that maybe was very popular with readers or popular with critics and everybody was seeming to love it, but then when you picked it up, you had a different reaction. And maybe you didn't finish it, or maybe you did finish it, and then you were like, I still don't get what all the hype was about. Uh, This may get me, like, stoned for this, but... I wasn't, I was never a huge Harry Potter fan. And I know that's like blasphemy in a lot of ways, but like it was, I mean, they were great. They were great books. But I mean, the level of fandom, like there's whole theme parks based on this book. And I'm like, I mean, it's cool. But yeah, so I I mean, and I'm like the worst type of Harry Potter reader. Like when people ask me, like, you know, what house am I in? I'm always like, you know, I'm divergent. Like I have no clue, like what I'm in. And it comes back that I'm like, a Slytherin, Hufflepuff, Raven, something, Claw. I, I don't know. I'm just, yeah. And so hopefully I'll probably get a whole bunch of mail for this. But, yeah, I think that's the book that I I just, sometimes I just don't get. <laughs> 
Well, I was watching your mom while you're talking, and she had a big reaction to that. <laughs> so, you know, I I am right in the boat with you. I just I. I'm actually, you know, not doing as well as you did because I couldn't even, I couldn't get through those books. It's just not my thing. I just, I don't, I just don't care about it. I can just say, I just, it's not my thing. I think, I like, I don't think I've even watched all the movies. And I think that's like a terrible thing to even admit to people. But yeah, it, it just, sometimes some people like are huge, you know, what's it called? They're, they're picky. They're selective readers. And so sometimes they're into the fantasy world, which, you know, of some sort, but then some people hate fantasy, or some people really hate contemporary books. Um, I've been to a bunch of festivals where they're like, you know, oh, well, is there like, you know, like a princess or a castle, is there a fight scene? I'm like, no, this is real life. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Well, I fell asleep on the two movies I tried to watch, so we're okay <laughs> on that. <laughs> um, what What are you reading right now? So right now, um, because I write thrillers and stuff, so I tried to stick with the times. I'm reading uh, Final Girls by Riley Sager. Um, and it's it's an adult book. And usually I try to mix it up. I try to read, like, ad- adult, young adult, um, some nonfiction. Um, within a couple of, like, months when I can actually get around to reading. Because I also read a lot of books and I'm blurbing a lot of books. Um, but this one is just, like, a fun read for me. Um, and it's good. It's dark. It's intense. Um, and it's perfect for just kind of, like, that mood, that fall mood right now. And I know you have a new book coming out next year. What can you tell us about that? Yes, I actually, like, today just saw it for the first time. Um, my friend just brought it for me. And um, it's called Let Me Hear a Rhyme. And it is set in 1998 um, in Brooklyn, New York, a year after Biggie Smalls dies. And it's about two teenage boys who turn their murdered, who plot to turn their murdered best friend into a rap superstar by pretending he's still alive. And um, it is very much a love letter to my childhood in terms of hip-hop is concerned. Uh, it's really, I felt like 1998, or a lot of people feel like 1998 was one of the golden years of hip-hop. And there was so much that was going on around that time, particularly in Brooklyn. So I feel like it's a really fun story. And it's a bit of um, a change for me because my first two books, both Allegedly and Monday's Not Coming, um, are kind of on the darker side. This one is much funnier, it's lighter, uh, but it still has that mystery twist that I love to do, so I'm really excited about it. It comes out on May 21st, which is actually Biggie Smalls Day. Well, Tiffany D. Jackson, I really appreciate you taking the time to stop by and talk about your work. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. You can find out how to win a free copy of Monday's Not Coming on our website, readmorepodcast.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. You can also support Tiffany and the show through buying the book on our site. You can follow us on Twitter at Read More Podcast and like us on Facebook. Join us again in two weeks for another edition of the show that brings readers and writers together. Until then, I'm Marva Hinton reminding you to read more. Thank you.